Mr. President, are you worried that your tariffs are ruining our economy and your immigration policies have destroyed America's standing in the world? No, I'm not. I'm not worried at all because here's the thing that no one else is saying and I'm the only one who's willing to actually say this. I don't care about America, okay? This old presidency, this old presidency is a four-year cash grab and admitting that will probably give me four more years, okay? But I do not care about any of you, okay? Does that basically answer all of your questions, okay? Does it? Okay. And one more thing. Does anyone else see this rabbit, okay? I'm not the only one who sees that rabbit, right? And it's wearing glasses, is that real? Okay. I think this might be a Donnie Darko situation. Fantastic movie, by the way. Love Jake Gyllenhaal. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 43, Episode 17 of SNL with host Chadwick Boseman and musical guest Cardi B. I'm John Murray and with me as always is comedy aficionado and all-around swell dude, Steve Finn. If you'd like to connect with either of us, you can do so at snlafterparty.fm. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or rather Apple Podcasts. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. Alright, Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Chadwick Boseman. So, we don't yet know the lineup for May, but next week we're getting first-time host and former SNL writer John Mulaney, along with musical guest Jack White. Apparently, um, SNL was so amazed with uh, John Mulaney's performance as Shy on the Bill Hader episode that they said, uh, we got to get this guy back on, give him a whole show. Yeah. Are you excited about this? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Oh, I am so excited. I'm a huge John Mulaney fan. I've been a fan of his before I even knew his name mm-hmm. because I wasn't aware of him as a writer before I discovered Stefan, like a lot of people. Right, right. Yeah, this should make for a good show. If for no other reason, than he is going to bring back his voice to the writer's room. Like, you know that he's going to be really working alongside the writers and doing his best to, to bring something special to the material. And uh, maybe that'll help, uh, you know, pull things up and uh, make for a good show. Yeah. We'll find out next week. Um, Jack White, ever heard of him? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any brilliant thoughts on uh, Jack White? Well, I had to listen to the new album. Okay. It is pretty good. Yeah. A lot of strange choices on it, but Jack White is, you know, a well-known eccentric. Yeah. Kind of his thing, really. Yeah. But he's still making good music. I saw him live back when he was still doing his White Stripes thing. Mm -hmm. An amazing performer. Uh, Less is more with this guy. Right. He can do a lot with a little. And if anyone is going to make the most of that tiny cube of a stage <laughs> they have to work with his musical guests on SNL, you know, he's going to, he's going to light it up and make it feel like a stadium. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. He's a Detroit boy. So a lot of his music got heavy radio play back when I was young and still felt like music was important. So he is close to my heart and I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. I haven't heard his new album, so I'm going to be coming into it fresh, but uh, I have a feeling I'm going to be pleasantly surprised and, uh, I'm really excited. I think that this show is kind of tailor-made for me. I feel like I'm really going to get a lot out of it, and I can't wait to see what they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen it yet, but on paper, yes, (laughs) this is like the recipe for an amazing show. Yeah. Before we jump into the episode proper, let's look at a little bit of listener feedback. Up Silo Dawn wants us to weigh in on our predictions for the final stretch of hosts for May. You got any thoughts on that? Who do you think is going to bubble up to the top of the stack for the final run of three? Oh, that's a good question. You know, Avengers is probably going to be the biggest movie of the year. Right. So it makes me think we might get like a Chris Evans or maybe even a Robert Downey Jr. Who knows? But that might not happen because we just had Chadwick Boseman host. I'm assuming SNL is going to consciously want to vary things up. I don't think they want to get a reputation as just like the outlet for 
Disney Marvel properties, uh, since especially we did just have Chadwick Boseman. But uh, just to contradict everything I just said, um, Solo is also coming out in May. And so I wonder if Donald Glover, who plays uh, a young Lando Calrissian, if he's going to be in the mix, maybe, because he's not just now a you know, superhero franchise movie star, he has comedy bonafide. He's got writing chops. Like he really seems like he would be the perfect fit to yeah. host SNL. And now he's got some heat. So I wonder if that's going to be the kind of collision that the show is going to capitalize on maybe more than going back to the Marvel. Well, even though we're still very much in the action adventure <laughs> leading man, uh, kind of hosting uh, scenario. I think that he's the one that I would put my bets on. Yeah, no, that's a good pick. And I'm surprised he hasn't at least been the musical guest on SNL. Now, if the show really wanted to get clever, it would be him as the host and Childish Gambino as the musical guest. And if they lump that into one show and really kind of got a little surreal with the whole thing, like let him play both personas kind of on one episode, (laughs) I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, build them separately. Sort of like a, a Garth Brooks, oh, Chris Gaines? Was that his alter ego that he had for like a week? Yeah, Chris Gaines. Yeah, it, it could kind of be like a much cooler version of that. <laughs> so if they went down that road, I'd be very happy. Otherwise, I really couldn't say. I mean, this is a, a futile exercise because it's, you know, you could speculate forever. Who knows where SNL is going to land, but uh, that would work for me. Yeah, I would say it would work for me too. Cool. Okay, let's get into our show. For the cold open, Fox News goes live to Trump's joint press conference with the leaders of the Baltic states. Now, to frame this, let's consider a little bit of feedback from listener Lore LeQuaid, who says, Alec Baldwin's Trump was never good, and it doesn't even get under Trump's skin that much anymore. The whole situation of a non-cast member playing the president is very odd. Isn't it time for him to retire that impression? And which cast member would you like to see playing him instead? Okay, so this is probably as good a time as any to check in on sort of the state of Trump at SNL. How are we feeling about Alex's impression at this point, And is it time to pivot? Yeah. I mean, since we're so close to the end of another season, mm-hmm. we're going to be starting fresh. There must be some talks going on as to what direction to take all this in. Right. You know, move away from Baldwin, get a real cast member doing it. Yeah. We might be looking at that, you know, premiere of the next season. Okay. So you think he's in it for three more and then over the summer, they'll figure out what their next move is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm starting to feel like this would be the last season we get of a, of a Baldwin Trump. Okay. Yeah. I personally think it's time for a change. My feeling has always been that the best time to exit Baldwin as Trump would have been January of 2017. Like I would have liked to see him step out right after the election and do some sort of graceful handoff to a cast member, maybe someone that they brought in over the Christmas hiatus. Like I felt like that was our opportunity to have fun with Trump and move away from Baldwin before it got played out. Right. And I feel like the show missed an opportunity there, but to their credit, they were able to continue to build steam with it till the end of season 42, all the way to the point where, you know, Baldwin got an Emmy for it. So I can't fault them for keeping him on, but I think that the next big opportunity was between 42 and 43. I think that would have been a great time to exit him as well, because not only did Baldwin say, I'm out, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, on many occasions, he made it clear that he was ready to step away anytime SNL was. Um, they could have done it. No one would have batted an eyelash because it would have been like, okay, 42. That was Baldwin's season. He got his Emmy. He left him wanting more. Everything <laughs> right. could have been great. But instead, we come back for 43. It immediately feels played out. Baldwin has said some quasi controversial things that have cooled people off to him as well as the Trump character and Trump just isn't funny. So it wasn't something that they were getting a lot of great material out of. Uh, So it really has been misfiring for a lot of reasons. And I, I feel like in hindsight, if they just pivoted at the end of 42, then this could be a completely different conversation. So I feel like there's been a lot of missed opportunities. I feel like if they go another season with Trump, I don't think this is going to change. I don't think he's going to win us back anytime soon. I feel like we've taken it as far as we can. Yeah, It's a good impression, but it's very one note. It's just the very aggressive, abrasive Trump. And I I just don't think people want to laugh at that anymore. I think it's just too far down the road for that to feel fun. 
So yeah, I'd like to see a switch and I would love to see a cast member taken on. I think they should give it to Luke Null. Give him something to do. (laughs) Give him a reason to stick around. I mean, this is an underutilized player that I don't honestly know if he's got a, you know, a Trump impression in his pocket or anything. I just, I feel so bad that we've seen so little. Actually, we didn't see anything from Luke tonight. So give it to him, (laughs) please just give him the last three or something, but whatever. I, I think it's definitely time for a change. I think that they need to move on and I think they need to reinvent it. I don't know what that looks like. I just hope that they figure out a classy way to transition into something that people can just um, embrace that. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb when you start the show and, and Baldwin's there. It doesn't kind of like make you groan immediately, which is not the right <laughs> way to kick off a night of SNL. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Right. At least in my opinion. But if I were to have to pick like, you know, a repertory player to take over the role i would say beck bennett would be serviceable sure yeah only problem is beck is pretty deep into his contract so i don't know if that lines up from a production standpoint with what they'd be looking for uh yeah but you know that is something that's worth sticking around for that's true that's true and it's not like he's not valuable to the show i don't think they're looking to shuffle him out anytime soon so yeah if if it meant upping his contract for another year just to get to the end of trump's term that's that's not the worst scenario yeah that would be better exposure for him to to leave the show on so i could see him extending it next year or two if he was given that role on the show yeah the other scenario though is they could just keep alec on for the rest of trump's term and do what they seem to be doing now, which is bring them in like once for every run, like maybe the first episode in back from a hiatus, have him come in and run through all the news that happened in the two or three weeks that they've been off. Right. Because that gives them the most material to draw from the most opportunity to maybe do something memorable with it. And then he's in and out without weighing down every episode. So by keeping him sort of sparse. Maybe just maybe they can push through without having to reinvent, but if they could find another player over the summer that could take it on and that people would embrace, I I say, go for it. There's, there's no downside at this point. They're not getting anything out of the Baldwin version at this point, as far as I can see. Yeah. All right. (sighs) Yeah. So, um, thank you, Laura LaQuaid for, uh, kicking us off on such a downer note for the cast tonight. (laughs) Let's get off Trump. Let's just talk about the cold open. Was it funny? Was there anything here that you were enjoying? I enjoyed uh, some bits of it. I thought it was a decent uh, structure. I liked how, you know, he kind of trailed off and we got a glimpse inside the Trump character's head Mm -hmm. and they went there. They went uh, all the way and basically had Trump, their Trump say, you know, I don't care about America. Sure. I love those little digs. If they really do want to, you know, stir the pot, this is how you do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's definitely no, no love for Trump. So I I don't think there's any reason why they'd feel compelled to hold back or, or go easy on him. Um, yeah, sure. There was little bits. It it was the, you know, run through the news, Trump at a podium. This didn't excite me. There was a few good moments. Like you said, the voiceover moment where he's like, man, I still want to riff right now. Like, and he, he's just like trying to contain his need to go off script and say something provocative. Like congratulate Putin. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) All the things that he's trying to suppress, but he just can't, uh, he's irrepressible when it comes to being obnoxious. There was something fun about that, but on the whole, this was really run of the mill and just, yeah, didn't do a whole lot for me. That's it. Okay. Moving on for our monologue. Chadwick Boseman is late to the SNL black Panther party. This monologue I felt had some good moments. And I also felt that. There was a lot of easy jokes. Sure. A lot of jokes that uh, just were a little bit too obvious. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be a spoiled SNL fan, but you know, (laughs) I want my professional writers to come off a little bit more capable of reaching beyond the low hanging fruit. Yep. I mean, you know, like comparing black Panther to the, the seventies movement with the berets and you know, that's, that's pretty obvious. (laughs) There was just lots of stuff like that. I feel like the biggest thing that this monologue had working against it was that we had Sterling K Brown in the studio a few weeks back. And so I was just comparing how much fun his monologue was to just how mundane and easy this one felt. It just seemed like they didn't 
have anything genuinely funny that they could tap into with Chadwick Boseman. And so it was just, yeah, okay, let's uh, go through your Wikipedia page and <laughs> see what we can goof on. And uh, it just, yeah, it, it, it was serviceable, but not special. There was just nothing really exciting about it. And when they got to the point where it looked like he was going to kick up the energy a bit, go into his James Brown impression, call in the band and maybe do something a little bit more rousing. Um, it came and went in like three seconds. So this did not work for me. Yeah. No, it didn't quite make it there, but I got a positive thing to say. Yeah. Loved his outfit. Sure. <laughs> Chad's <laughs> outfit was, uh, you know, he was styling. That is a look. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> yep. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. If that was working for you, <laughs> yeah. great. Very eye catching. He came out very low energy. Like the outfit was singing, right? It, it was singing to the rafters, but he came out like just very casual and slow. And even that right from the get go, just kind of made me feel like I'm not getting something yeah. from what he's bringing. And, uh, I, I wish I had nicer things to say about it. It just really didn't move me. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. So we got to dig ourselves out of a hole here. Well, maybe our first pre-tape will help. Introducing the new Nike Pro Chiller Legging. Designed for endurance, but used for what most women actually do in leggings. Yeah, that's a funny observation. <laughs> yep. And uh, they got the aesthetic just about perfect. I, I worked at a gym for a while and, you know, they're pumping commercials on those televisions constantly. Right. So I've seen every fitness advertisement the quick cuts, the sound editing, everything that goes into that aesthetic, they mm -hmm. were pulling off pretty much to a T, which they often do. I'm often sitting here saying, hey, this crew at SNL, they can pretty much mimic any cinematic style, mm -hmm. whatever they want to just pull out right. of their hat. They can do. It's like Weird Al Yankovic's band. Sure. <laughs> yeah. They can just tap into the exact tone and style. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So this is another example of that. And it is a funny comparison yeah. between the lethargy and the actually active lifestyle. Yep. It does uh, give some laughs for sure. It was a good observation. You're absolutely right. Um, I liked it. It wasn't quite woke jeans, but I thought that this was pretty solid. This was a well-realized pre-tape. Like you said, all the style and visual flair was, was all really on point. I think it's amazing that we've gotten to a point where SNL in the course of a week can do a pre-tape where they have... Uh, like bullet time built into it, you know, like where the camera stops and moves in slow motion, like around a person that kind of like 3d still effect. Um, that's amazing. There was some serious, serious production values in the cinematography and the way that they shot all that. So yeah, high marks for that. It was funny. It was a good observation. Everybody did their parts well, right? Like 80 was committed. Kate was committed. And then the two junior players that are the actual, like hungry go-getter physical types, they all just really seemed like they were embodying their parts properly. So there was, there's nothing bad I can say about this. This was solid. We got a lot of youthful energy mm -hmm. in the cast right now. And it's really showing in a lot of their performances. Yep. Yep. So a lot to like here. I thought this was good. And this was the first moment in the show where I thought, okay, yeah, we might just be about to turn things around. If they can pull off a really good live sketch, then I'm back on board. Yep. So with that said, let's take a look at our first live sketch, Black Jeopardy with Shanice, Rashad, and all the way from Wakanda, T'Challa. Well, we always love to see Black Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. More often a hit than a miss. This was a good way to go with it. A lot of the time, Black Jeopardy is kind of poking fun at some stereotypes, things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's always good for a laugh, but I thought it was refreshing to have, you know, a more positive message coming from a black voice and putting it in direct contrast with uh, what we usually get from black jeopardy. Yep. Yeah. I thought this was a pretty big win for that. Yep. I agree. This was solid. I figured if they ever brought black jeopardy back, they were going to have their work cut out for them because the one with Tom Hanks was such a high watermark and just so smart that anything else was going to pale in comparison. So I was really pleasantly surprised at the end of this, when I pulled back for a second and thought, you know what, that one held its own. That was a really, really good outing. They're never going to quite be able to recapture the exact magic of the Tom Hanks one, but this was surprisingly strong and poignant and it did have a good social perspective behind it. The, the idea that there's an idealistic black culture that is kind of 180 degrees removed from the reality of yeah. 
black life in America for many. So yeah, there was something strong about that. And obviously, um, Chadwick Boseman can play T'Challa like no one else. So it was really good that he could get into that character and sell the earnestness and sincerity of, you know, this empowered black character with really great, um, I guess you'd call them just like traditional African values as opposed to American values. Like there was just a lot there that they were able to, to mine and uh, it worked. It worked. It was really solid end to end. I liked it. Uh, definitely. Yep. And as always common ground was found. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even the uh, people of color from the U S or from Africa, they love their spice. They love their food. Yeah. Some things are universal. <laughs> yeah. That was a very astute, hilarious observation. Yeah. Bland ass potato salad is offensive in any culture. <laughs> yes. yes. And I love the, um, the questioning that led to it, how he worked it out. Yes. Out loud. It was, <laughs> that was definitely the highlight of the sketch. The gears are turning. Yeah. You get the sense that T'Challa is really smart. So he's observing the rules of this game and trying to figure out how to navigate them. And by the end of it, he's got it figured out. And it's cool that you've got Keenan there the whole way trying to coax it out of him and being patient and like getting really excited as he's getting close. Like that was a really fun bit. And Keenan made that part of it work really well. Chadwick did great too, but you needed Keenan there to really just explode with enjoyment as T'Challa gets closer and closer to the correct answer. There was a lot that was really, really good about this. So I'm happy that they followed up the Tom Hanks one with something that uh, was definitely in the same league. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about our next live sketch. The Fertility Frontier Project reveals history's first pregnant man. <laughs> this was working yeah. for me. I thought this had a nice burn to it. <laughs> this really was sold by Mikey Day. Mm-hmm. You know, the way he came out with that kind of positive energy, making jokes about his cravings and stuff, getting laughs, setting that mood mm-hmm. is what really helped sell the reveal of, you know, the change of plans with the birth. Yeah, it did have a good setup, but I don't think it was without its problems. If I'm going to be honest, the one thing that was really kind of pulling me out of it was Chadwick Boseman and his choices for his character. It seemed like he wanted to act a bit more heavily than this sketch needed. Sometimes a character can be as much of a distraction to a sketch as maybe an asset to it. Very true. Yeah. And I feel like we got a bit of that. I I don't know why we had some sort of sort of like corrupted Obama impression coming from it. I don't know what he was going for. (laughs) Yeah. He was, he was shooting for something, but because that was the straight character and wasn't supposed to be the main focus, I'm not sure why he went over the top with it. I liked his little flowering gesture and I liked that he walked really stiff. Like there was something very like sciencey about what he was bringing, but (laughs) there were a few choices there that I felt just really didn't serve the character. And that was making it a bit harder for me to uh, keep up with the sketch, but overall it was fun. Not super memorable, not great, but I do count it as a marginal win. Yeah. Marginal win. Sure. Yep. We're just not going to talk about any of the things that, we're kind of trying to repress <laughs> after watching it. Yeah, we, we can certainly go there. It's just, oh, so, so painful to even consider <laughs> this scenario uh, that if, if we were just to walk right past it, I'd be totally okay with that. But if you want to, you know, get into the mechanics of tuliping, by all means, you, you, you run with it. For this cast, I did a, a triple watch of the show because I was kind of tired my first. Yeah. And I like to get two watches in. So three separate times I had to, I had to listen <laughs> to the description of what tuliping is in in this context (laughs) this was every bit as much cringe humor as it was surrealism so yeah i think i said too much sure definitely enough (laughs) uh yeah we just wanted all of our male listeners to have to squirm along with us for a couple minutes here but uh let's jump right off of that track and get into our second pre-tape 80 bryant is empowered by the music of cardi b yeah i thought it was a pretty fun sketch Mm -hmm. This was working because of everyone reacting as they would if A.D. Bryant just decided to start acting like Cardi B right. in the office. A lot of awkward, uncomfortable, <laughs> slack-jawed stares. <laughs> yeah, it, I, think it, um, I think it worked. I think it was pretty well put together for what it was, which wasn't much. Yeah, it was fun. I liked it too. A.D. makes these work, right? Like she has that ability to play the... Uh, raunchy 
aggressive character very well. And it's kind of like what we got with the Sarah Huckabee Sanders character, where she kept jumping into a music video every time she's asked a question at the podium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, similar energy and, and style to that, which I, I think works well. I, I think it's a, a pretty clever way to get a lot of mileage out of doing a film shoot inside 30 rock. Yeah. Like letting it live in reality and letting everyone just be in their regular clothes. So you don't have to build a lot of production outside of that fantasy mode, but what you end up with is really clever. Cause you get that nice contrast of just the mundane day to day. And then, you know, 80 having this psychotic break, <laughs> this was good. But now let's uh, take a look at the genuine article for her first song. Cardi B performs a medley of Bodic yellow and Bartier Cardi and her second song, be careful. And for some reason, she decided that SNL was the best venue to reveal her baby bump. She's pregnant. <laughs> oh my God. What a shock. She's really a cult of personality. You sure. could say. Yep. So I wasn't as familiar with, you know, what she actually is supposed to be known for her music. Mm-hmm. I was quite impressed. Okay. She has got chops for sure. Despite her uh, pregnancy and whatever handicap that may give her on stage. I thought she killed it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm not too far off. I knew nothing about her going into it and I'm happy to not know anything more about her moving forward, but for what it's worth on stage, uh, she is a force. She, uh, she's competent and her songs were catchy. The second one, maybe more so than the first, as far as I was concerned, the first one, um, I found kind of obnoxious. I just, I can't really get into the, I, I don't even know what you would call it, but just, it just felt very diva and grandiose and it just, it, it wasn't my cup of tea. The second song though, that was something I could get on board with and I, I thought it was really well delivered. So pleasantly surprised by Cardi B. I really thought that I was going to hate everything that she brought and I didn't. And so I gotta say that's a win. It's a win. Our podcast is proud to be supported by award-winning Chicago-based comedy troupe LL Cool Beans, who you can see perform improv every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the legendary IO Theater in Chicago, Illinois. The mecca of improv where SNL stars Cecily Strong, Seth Meyers, Tina Fey, and so many others hone their craft. As the IO Cage Match Grand Champions, LL Cool Beans features Sam Bowers, Sarah Drew, Griffin Griggs, Jacob Kenobi, Claire McFadden, Alex Moss, Brian Tochterman Jr., and Kim Quinlan. Get your tickets now at ioimprov.com. And our thanks to LL Cool Beans for their support. Weekend update. For their lead-in, Jost and Che tackle Chinese tariffs, Trump attacking Amazon, and the latest on Stormy Daniels. What'd you think of the opening salvo? Wasn't bad. I've been amused by Trump's meltdowns (laughs) against Amazon and the Postal Service. It's laughable. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think I've heard enough about Trump's penis. (laughs) Okay. Uh, this is becoming too much of a motif for me <laughs> sure. uh, week to week. So if I had one complaint, maybe it's uh, perhaps uh, uh, the U.S. president's anatomy is, is discussed <laughs> a little bit too much for my taste. Fair enough. But the flip side of that is, of course, they're going to go after it. This is a comedy show. You know what they do there, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Obviously, uh, if if uh, Trump's dong is in the news, they got to jump on it. Uh that was awkwardly phrased, but whatever. Um, you gotta jump right <laughs> on it. Uh, this was okay. I don't think that this was the best weekend update we've seen, but it was serviceable. It, it had a couple fumbly moments. A few jokes didn't seem to land quite right with the audience, but Hey, that happens. Every outing can't be the outing of weekend update. So I, I felt like this was good, but not great. Fair enough. Okay. Let's talk about our first feature. Alex Moffat as Mark Zuckerberg, who is not sorry for mishandling Facebook's user data. Oh, man. This is what I was talking about, that, that young energy right. that these new guys are bringing to the cast. Like This kind of stuff is on fire. Alex Moffat kills it every time because he's, he just loves what he does, and you can tell. Okay. All right. So you were liking what Alex was bringing. I can respect it. I don't know enough about Mark Zuckerberg and his like natural qualities like his voice his affect his mannerisms to know if alex was actually tapping into anything brilliant here uh he wasn't doing any kind of direct impersonation this was like it was a persona inspired by the the stuff in the news and his kind of perceived reputation right now i can see what they were going for i just i wish i had a bit more to 
point to that I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he definitely nailed that, right? That's, that's the piece that I can't quite fit into this. Um, I found it amusing, so it's still a win. I just really don't have a whole lot of context for it. What would you say, like three out of five dabs? <laughs> sure, let's go with that. Up next, we get another feature. Heidi Gardner is back as Angel, every boxer's girlfriend from every movie about boxing ever. Did we need to see Angel again? Is she a fit recurring character? I think so. Yeah. Maybe I didn't see it until we had her come out the second time, but uh, I think it works. Okay. That passion that Angel might have about Tommy's fight night, (laughs) you know, that exasperation can translate to, you know, pretty much anything in the news. Yeah. She can impose it on global warming if she wants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even if it all traces back to taking the kids to her sisters, (laughs) that's a, that's a fun journey to take. So. It made me see that this actually does have potential to be a somewhat successful recurring character. Okay. It's a very strong character and it is a like naturally funny character because you get exactly who the character is immediately. It is like one of the Laura Parsons or Jacob, the bar mitzvah boys where uh, you can just see the whole picture of who this person is from the, the first time they open their mouth. So there is a lot of mileage right there just with what Heidi brings to the performance. My only critique is that I felt like I was starting to see the seams a little bit. Maybe there isn't a whole lot that they can do with that structure. That's going to continue to seem funny week over week. So I felt like as a second outing, it worked, it was good, but because it wasn't as strong as the first one, I just don't know if I'm going to be happy to see it a third time. Yeah. I'm curious to see how old this gets. Yeah. I may not be as warm on seeing it a million times. Mm -hmm. Like I saw big poppy. Yeah. And if you'll check the records, you know, I love big poppy every time. (laughs) Yeah. Now, sometimes they are able to breathe new life into these as they go along. Sometimes they do kind of like catch their second wind and you do see something really inspired on the third or fourth outing. So it may surprise us. I don't want to write it off because it is such a well-drawn character. I, I do love seeing angel. I just really hope that the material continues to stay good for this character. Cause I, I feel like it could run dry a little quicker than I'd prefer. And in SNL, that means that they'll continue to do it 12 more times long after, you know, they run out of that material. And that's what I don't want to happen. I, I, I would like it to, you know, crest gracefully. And I just, I don't know if it's going to get there. All right. Back half of the show. We get a live sketch. Disneyland's magic mirror reveals three women's inner princesses. Prince, uh, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is basically the sketch in a nutshell it is the rule of three odd man out kind of thing was this smart was this fun what it, what was this uh i think they went too easy on r kelly okay <laughs> let's not even get into like how this guy even still has a career but <laughs> sure <laughs> i mean i can't think of a more unsettling presence to have at Disneyland and R. <laughs> Kelly living in a mirror, just like waiting to haunt your children. <laughs> yeah. And him just standing there is enough. But when he starts <laughs> stuffing bags with popcorn and I don't know, eating sandwiches, like for that, I felt it was working. Okay. When I saw R. Kelly, I thought that I knew where the sketch was going. I thought that it was like, he is kind of like the predator who's accosting the Disney princesses, like in the mirror world or something. Like I thought there was going to be like a whole nother take on what R Kelly's reason for being in the mirror was. Uh, and it didn't yeah. go in any of those places. So I thought there was something really smart that they were going to build to, and it didn't really do any of that. And that might just, you know, that's just on me for yeah. thinking that the sketch was more than it was. No, he wasn't even interested in them princesses. He was like pushing them out of the way and stuff. Yeah. So I was really kind of struggling with like, what was the sketch actually saying? Like, why did he show up? Is he genuinely Leslie's inner princess? If that's the case, why was she able to just switch on a dime and conjure up a different princess? Uh, You know, like what, what was this? I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. And so for that, it, it kind of misfired for me. Well, a lot of it is just enjoying watching Leslie be upset at the whole situation. <laughs> Mm-hmm. we're not even supposed to be like questioning why R. Kelly's there in the first place. It's all about just how people would react to that situation. Okay. If there's anything that Leslie can do on the show, it's, it's definitely reactions. Sure. All right. So let's take a look at our next sketch. We get a team of firefighters preoccupied by Daniel's million dollar idea. What do you make of firefighters? Uh, I thought it was bad. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So I'm not, I'm not alone. <laughs> 
this was not a good sketch. Yeah. I'm not often comfortable just flat out saying something's not good. I'll try to dance around it. Sure. You try to find the silver lining if you can. Sure. I just can't do it. There's nothing, nothing good about this sketch. Okay. Uh, you're not wrong. This one bottomed out somewhere between Chadwick's acting choices. Again, uh, sort of making the sketch more awkward than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, editing it down. I think there was supposed to be more of a through line here about the firefighters sort of getting more enraptured with trying to figure out the mystery of Daniel's million dollar idea than fighting the fire but they didn't have any stakes in it. It's not like there was like a kitten in the window or something that they're all <laughs> refusing to save while they get to the bottom of the mystery. Like there was just something missing from this sketch that needed to be there to pull everything together. Cause instead it's just this disjointed conversation that's awkwardly delivered and goes nowhere. It just had nothing working for it. And I hate to say it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. This, this was a thud thud. Yeah. Big thud. Yeah. And like, it wasn't clear where they were going. I thought initially like he had a threesome plan with his wife or something. <laughs> it was like, no, I, I can't miss that. That would have been a funnier sketch to me. If he was like going to abandon a burning building because he had, you know, some kind of sexual conquest at home. It did seem like there was a lot of ideas that they could have hung a sketch on. Like the idea of like a unionized firefighter who's, clocking out no matter what the situation is no matter how many people's lives are at stake when six o'clock comes he's out of there if they would built on that maybe there was a sketch there if they'd had some stakes where there's like people in peril and these guys are all just having a casual conversation maybe that would have been funny there was opportunity it just wasn't realized and it happens and it's sad <laughs> very sad okay moving on we get another live sketch three in a row an eccentric gaggle of performers offer melodic feedback to the staff at Oliver's restaurant. Now, before we jump in quick shout out for listener Lila 2398, who noted that the performers are based on a 1970s jazz vocal group, the Manhattan transfer. So that's a, a pretty awesome thing to pick up on. So a round of applause for Lila for making that connection. And it's true. I looked them up and uh, it's, it's very obvious that the costuming and the whole modeling of, especially the two women uh, is note for note some of the pictures that you'll find of the Manhattan transfer. So huh. there's your kind of deep insight for this sketch. What do you make of it though? Is it good? Did we like it? Well, first of all, that makes sense that it's based on a real group because it was a little bit too on the nose, right? It seemed to be referencing something. So I'm not surprised there as a sketch. I thought it was fun. You know, obviously it wasn't any groundbreaking stuff here, but I thought everybody involved had something to bring to it. Okay. And everybody was uh, on point. So for what it was, I thought they pulled it off. Okay. This was probably one of the high points of the back half, but after two clunky sketches, uh, I think the show kind of lost me because I wasn't having fun with this on first watch. I liked it a little bit better on second watch. So I think that what you're saying is pretty true that, you know, that there is some value in the performances and that everybody was bringing their best to it. I just was kind of a little turned off. And so this was having trouble winning me back. And I really was kind of wondering, you've got Melissa there in the mix and she's got pipes. So why, why was she not utilized more? Like, why was she the hostess off at the side with hardly any lines when she could have been in the mix there? Well, she got her little hug with Chad at the end. Yeah. It's nice that she was in the sketch and she's had a couple fairly strong outings the last few episodes. She has been reasonably heavily featured. I just feel like she's got some skills that the show doesn't want to draw on. And I think that maybe she could have been good in that role if they'd given her a shot she'll be getting her moments i think we'll be seeing a lot more opportunities for her because we still got cecily and kate and and i think that's why we see them in those roles because we already have recognizable players that the fans of snl know right so they are probably going to be the go-to people for any singing pieces while they're still in the cast sure i'm predicting once they're moved on to other things. That's when Melissa is going to be filling that role more. Yeah. She has had a few good outings lately, so it does look like maybe she'll be ending the season on a high note, which does bode well because a lot of the top players really only have about one season left on their contract. So there's going to be a lot more room for capable, versatile female players over the next couple of years. I just, I really hope that she's able to maybe just collaborate and generate and get some of these roles for herself. Cause you know, everyone's eating their lunch that's at least that's what it feels like to me and i don't know still rooting for her. two seasons in i'm still rooting for her. 
but anyways, just to put a bookend on this sketch, I don't know if it's a win or not. I can't really look at it objectively. It was a little clunky. It was a little hard to figure out exactly what the game was. I uh, wasn't sure if the idea was that these guys were some kind of charlatans and they were going to try and, you know, run out on their meal or if they were just causing trouble or I thought that there was going to be some sort of smart reveal at the end and there wasn't a whole lot to it other than they're just kind of uh, so absorbed in their performance that they think that it's much more valued than it actually is. There was a little bit of a joke there, but I don't know if it went quite far enough for me to feel like this was a win. But like I said, I wasn't really warm on the show at this point, so I might be grading it a little harsh. Yeah, I think it all put us in a bad mood. Yeah, those damn firefighters. But we've still got a little bit more to work through here. We got a pre-tape, the Game of Life DACA edition. Do you like this one? Yeah, this kind of picked me up a bit. Okay. Obviously, immigration's a nightmare right now in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And what better framing choice to use than, uh, you know, a board game and not only any board game, but the game of life. Yep. Perfect parallel there. And the fact that this version of life is this much more complicated and so much more can go wrong and a lot of it doesn't even make sense. A lot of the time, you know, kind of sums up how it must feel to be, you know, an illegal born into this country. <laughs> sure. It was pretty good political commentary and a good framing device for it. Yep. I agree. It was smart. Uh, Melissa did a really good job in it. I felt like she's good at playing confused and uh, just trying to be politely flummoxed and politely put upon. She doesn't really like, you know, burst out in rage at all this stuff. She's just trying to take it in stride. And I think that's the right way to have that character play the game of life. So I really liked what she was doing. I liked the sketch. I thought it was a really good prop that they had there where the board keeps expanding and getting darker. It's almost like, you know, looks like Mordor, like some evil mountain, (laughs) you know, that you have to navigate your way through to actually win the game of life when you're an undocumented American. (laughs) I liked it. I'm glad that this made it into the show. We had a lot of stuff stuffed into the back half. So this is the one that would have been really easy to cut because this, you could repurpose for any show. I'm I'm glad that it made it through. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like the only beacon of light in a fairly dark back half tonight. Yeah. 10 to one sketch. Two white boys aren't woke enough to pull off the Wakanda forever salute. This is our last outing with Chadwick for the night. Uh-huh. Did we think that they stuck the landing? Did they go out on a high note? What was this? I don't know. This was a bit jumbly. Yeah. Even for a 10 to one, mm-hmm. seems like they had a couple of different ideas all weaving through it and not kind of sticking with one. Right. You know, Chadwick's character, they just call him into it. He's not even like friends with the other two black people. He ends up being a little bit more militant. You know, that's one <laughs> way they were going. Yeah. Also making that commentary of cultural appropriation. Right. You know, that's all going through it. So... This was not a, a tied together piece. Yep. After watching this sketch, I wonder why so much of the live material felt so rushed or like so hacked apart between dress and live. Maybe like maybe the show was running really late uh, after dress. And so they, they gutted a lot of these sketches because we had a lot that made it into the show. They just all seemed to be lacking something. Yeah. And I, I just, I wonder where it was falling apart this week, but yeah, something with the writing just wasn't gelling. And this sketch is another example. Didn't have a really clever way of getting out. So they just have Keenan's character. I don't know, leave his wife for no good reason. Like, I don't know. There's just, there, there was a few ideas in this that could have been funny and none of them really got explored to any degree that I think was working. So this was not a win for me. Yeah. Can't call it a win myself. And that is our episode recap. moment of the night well i think this one is uh this is a unique episode for one particular moment that's i guess the reveal of cardi b's pregnancy sure okay that seems to be the all those follow-up headlines after that episode and um she's got a pretty rabid fan base Mm -hmm. so i had several facebook friends light up my facebook with statuses (laughs) about it okay this was like i don't know this was like Princess Diana's funeral, it felt like, in terms of <laughs> buzz. So, yeah. I don't know. I think she's a cool chick. Let's let's give her a moment of the night for telling us she's got a bun in the oven. All right. Um, the way I understand it, that was maybe the worst kept secret in music. Uh, so I didn't realize that anyone was terribly surprised by it if they really are a fan of Cardi B. But, hey, yeah, if you just want to give her some props and this is the 
vote that you want to sort of cash in for Cardi B. I can, I can get behind that. I'm giving it to the moment in black jeopardy where T'Challa gets there when he figures out the game. And when Keenan gracefully coaxes him to the finish line and he lands the, the answer and wins the game and you know, everybody's happy. That was fun. It was well-delivered. Keenan really performed that and held it together. And it was one of the best performance moments from Chadwick Boseman. I felt like a lot of what he brought tonight was maybe a little misguided as far as the way he was presenting characters, but he's good as T'Challa and he really was able to apply it well to that material. So that was strong. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my moment. So give it to uh, the bland ass potato salad. Sure. (laughs) Best sketch. I think this one uh, is probably going to have to go to Black Jeopardy. Yeah. I mean- there isn't much going for this episode overall, we'll be honest, mm-hmm. but this was the one sketch that I would say, you know, if the rest of the episode was of this quality, I'd be probably giving it a great rating. Okay. I don't know if it's just by comparison, it looks this good, but uh, either way, it's definitely the sketch of the night. Yeah. No, I think it was strong on its own. I don't think it's just strong when compared to a, a fairly weak offering. I think that this was surprisingly good yeah considering that the previous outing was very good it had big shoes to fill and i feel like it filled them (laughs) feel like it felt that it filled them uh (laughs) so that's a hard thing to pull off they must have understood going into it that if they didn't have a really strong black jeopardy that that could basically kill the sketch like that could really cool people off to seeing it again and uh, i feel like they really scored a win with it i think this was good and it shows that that sketch has real legs with being able to say poignant things about culture and the you know the state of life in america for black people it's smart it has a voice and they continue to find really solid jokes in it and it was performed well it, it was the all-around best sketch of the night no controversy no question yeah can't really deny it yep mvp well my mvp is going to be keenan i feel like this was a keenan night mm-hmm. nothing of note specifically but he was peppered throughout the episode with a lot of great um, little asides and and bit parts. I just thought he had a lot of material that that allowed him to to do what he's been doing for the last 20 odd years in Mm -hmm. sketch comedy. Okay. That is fair. I think it's a Keenan night too. I'm giving it to him. They tried to get him to find some funny in the monologue. They tried to get him to salvage that firefighter sketch. He gave a valiant effort (laughs) uh, in some, I think objectively weak material and he was the, the glue to the black jeopardy sketch, which continues to deliver. So he was all over the show. He was the, the quarterback, the anchor. He was the one trying to hold this together. And as weak as maybe the show was, it would have been a lot weaker if he didn't have just a few moments to, to keep things on track. So I don't even want to think of how this would have went without him. (laughs) Yeah, this is why you keep Keenan around. He he definitely can ground things and elevate a show <laughs> just just with his reactions and just with how you know capable and tight everything is that that he brings. Yes. After fifteen seasons, he knows what he's doing. Yes, indeed. All right, big question on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? <sighs> oh God, am I going to do it? <laughs> no your fingers hovering over the button <laughs> no i can't no i'm going with weak on this one okay and honestly they're lucky to get a week from me i had my finger hovering over the button mm-hmm. to nuke this all the train wreck <laughs> but that wouldn't be fair to the black jeopardy and the, the leggings pre-tape there was some decent stuff in this episode yep and and even cardi b was was a lot of fun mm-hmm so can't quite give it a train wreck. Sure. I'm hoping we don't get too many of these types of clunkers going forward. Well, that's all the more reason to be warm on John Mulaney. He's a strong writer that has a strong voice that can bring a lot to his episode. And maybe he'll be able to end April on a high note. But as far as the scale goes, I'm right there with you. Uh, I did struggle a little bit because I feel like this might be the lowest point of the season that I can really think of at this point. Um, this was definitely a weak show. It was saved by the pre-tapes and it was saved by black jeopardy. Those are the the redeeming things that I can pick out and say that was just enough to keep it out of train wreck territory, but there wasn't a whole lot else going for it. Chadwick Bozeman 
great dramatic actor, great as T'Challa. I don't think he's great at sketch comedy. I feel like he wants to draw characters that don't really fit. I don't think he has the sensibility to know what works, especially as a straight man. I feel like his choices were distracting Yeah, and sabotage some material that was already weak, but needed really great performances maybe to carry them through. And I don't feel like he quite had what it took to, to make those work. And uh, if Keenan wasn't there, yeah, I think we'd maybe be looking at a solid train wreck for the first time since we've been doing the cast. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't given one. Yeah. So uh, this was definitely veering close, but I think it was weak. All things considered, I think it was weak. It was a weak week for, uh, for SNL. All right. But overall, we've had a, a pretty consistent season and we've got a few left and they're going to have a break after Mulaney to kind of regroup and maybe get their energy up. So I'm still hopeful that we've got some fun left uh, in the spring and we'll find out in the coming weeks if, uh, if SNL can keep this train a rolling. <laughs> you got anything else you want to say? No, I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you after Mulaney. Okay, that's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Jonathan Jordan, and Aaron and Trader. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons get early, ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at snlafterparty.fm. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host John Mulaney and musical guest Jack White. This has been episode number 45 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thank you to Cardi B, Alec Baldwin, Lauren, the cast and crew. Thank you to my mom and my daddy. We love you. Good night. Your friend Karen brings her potato salad to your cookout. Uh-oh, T'Challa. I think I'm getting the hang of this. Before I answer, a few questions. This woman, Karen, she is Caucasian, eh? Yes. And she has her own recipe for potato salad, eh? Yeah, yeah. Ah, I understand. It is noble that she would volunteer to cook for everyone. And although I have never had potato salad, of course, I sense that this white woman does not season her food. That's right. And, and if she does, it is only with a tiny bit of salt. That's exactly right. Yeah. And no paprika. No paprika, no. And she will probably add something unnecessary like raisins. I know, right? So something tells me that I should say. Say it! Oh, hell no, nah, Karen. Keep your brand-ass potato salad to yourself. Yeah!